Hello and welcome to a new episode of Dear Ruby, a podcast where we listen to what Canadians are saying about their personal finances and try to respond to them as best as possible. We've been doing a special podcast since the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, we will be bringing you a weekly podcast to talk about how Canadians are managing their money, how Canadians are faring when it comes to their job losses, working from home, having hours cut, what benefits are available to them, and generally how we're feeling about our money going forward because the world has changed so dramatically and so many people are now wondering what their financial future holds. Uh, so please tune in. Every week there will be a new episode at DearRuby.com. And if you have any question about your own personal finances, please send them in through the website and we'll try to answer them or try to get an expert voice to answer it for you. Everyone's got a different way of managing what's happening right now. And so we want to hear about what it is that you're uniquely feeling through this pandemic. I want to bring in my co-host, Bo Humphreys. Say hi, Bo. Hi, everybody. Uh, Bo, you know, we're today going to talk about um, how people in low income, moderate income, those living under the poverty line are doing during this pandemic. So Bo, you work for an insolvency trustee, and so you kind of have firsthand knowledge of talking to and hearing people's stories. I just wanted to get from your perspective, not necessarily about your clients or about client stories, but where you see the future for many people who are in low income situations, who are already at that very uh, close to that line where just a couple of hundred dollars would derail them. Uh, what's your concerns going forward for them during this pandemic? Yeah, it's it's really uh, the the like every so every day I I meet I I'm an insolvency counselor so I meet with people who have uh, just filed for insolvency so consumer proposal or bankruptcy in in Canada and I'm seeing you know very distinct uh, groups of people here right the ones who uh, maybe filed the proposal to get some relief but still have income. And they're they're fine. They're doing okay, right? And then I see the others who already like they they deferred their rent last month before the pandemic even happened because they were struggling, and now they really need to defer it and they can't, right? Because they're already one behind. What are they supposed to do? If like if you're not already able to make your bills, and then this happens, it's really a, a totally different dynamic, um, and. I'm, you know, honestly, I'm a little worried about some of the people I've been talking about this week because we can only do so much, right? We can help them, like, lower their debts, uh, get rid of their debts in some cases and, and just have a reasonable monthly payment. Uh, but we can't change the cost of living and we can't do anything about job loss in this case. And we, can't, and we can't do anything about the pandemic that is affecting us in ways where, um, we could never have even planned for. You know, there's been a lot of chatter on Twitter about emergency funds and the importance of emergency funds. And, you know, I'm not someone who really likes to weigh in with controversial ideas or controversial um, thoughts because that's not really who I am. But I have been lately really struck by a lot of personal finance experts or pers people who work in the personal finance space giving this kind of generic advice that worked maybe three months ago. And also many people referring back to 2008, 2009. And this is a very different crisis. So someone who has a really big following and who has admitted 
openly on Twitter that she makes seven figures a year writing about personal finance, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, we talked about how, you know, is it insensitive to talk about an emergency fund? And everyone was like, no, this is the time. This is when we should really be talking about these kind of things. And I weighed in and I said, absolutely not. If someone comes to you and says, I'm in financial, I'm in a financial crisis. I don't know what I'm going to do next week to feed my family, to pay my rent, to pay the insurance on the car that I'm, you know, that that's sitting in my driveway or whatever it is that, you know, the things that you need to, that you need to protect while this pandemic is going on. Cause some people might say, well, sell your car. You can't sell your car right now. You can't do a lot of things that maybe you could do um, in a regular financial crisis. If there's even such, such a thing exactly. there's, and, and so if that person comes to you, the last things they want to hear from a personal finance expert is the, you know, the, 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 the importance of having an emergency fund and putting money away every time you make money. That is a conversation for after this pandemic is over and more of a look back and saying, this is why we need to plan better. This is why we need to plan for things that we don't even know could happen. It's a little right? bit arrogant, isn't it? It's, I, I can feel a little bit of arrogance there. Like the should, you should have done this. Well, I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, right? exactly. And even if you say, you know, I really think it's important that you think about your emergency fund. You know, for a lot of people in the last 10 years, wages have been stagnant. And even though some people have been making great money and been able to save, there is a large portion of Canadians. So right now, Canadians who live in poverty um, is at 3.2 million Canadians live in poverty. So speaking to those Canadians, those 3.2 million Canadians, and saying to them, why didn't you have an emergency fund is almost ignoring everything else that they have been experiencing in the last 10 years. So many of them, you know, survey after survey shows that many Canadians would not be able to make their bills if a, a few hundred dollar extra expense came up. So they would not be able to, to fulfill all their debt obligations and pay all their mandatory bills like rent and buying food if they had a small expense come up that was worth like going to cost them a hundred or $200. So I think that that's something that I really just want. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm again, I'm not a finger wagger, but I think that if we're going to speak about personal finance, we need to realize that this is a very different time than any other time that we've ever had to guide people through before. It is. And, and you know, I mean, you know, every day I talk to people and the conversation is about rebuilding, right? Because they've just gone through this, uh, you know, it's a bit of a traumatic experience to file for insolvency. And the the only two options that you have when it comes to uh, somehow finding some money at the end of the month or even making it um, so that you're not negative every month is making more money or reducing your expenses, right? Um, that's like the general conversation we have. Uh, but I've been finding this week, it's like, Okay, but what about the pandemic? Like, that's why like we need the government relief for these kinds of situations, and that's the only place that we can that some people can go right now. There is no emergency fund. There's no savings. Yeah. So somebody, you know, a lot of people have been asking that question, and it's a good one. Is that what if I have no emergency fund and I need to pay my bills or I need to buy mm -hmm. things for my family, food for my family, right? Uh, those basic things that you need to survive. Um, the benefits are not going to come until middle to end of April. 
Um, If you are lucky enough to be someone who qualifies for EI, you may be getting those benefits much sooner, maybe even already if you applied right when the pandemic started. Um, Because even though they're waiving that one week, you still have to apply. The money still has to come in your account. It's not like an immediate relief where you apply and and you know it's it's not a payday loan where you go and you just get money right away. Which I'm not recommending anybody use payday loans. Some of the payday loan companies are even trying to take advantage, or some companies I'm hearing about this like an advance on your benefit but that's just maybe a rumor that i'm hearing well i wouldn't be surprised yeah i wouldn't be surprised because the the immediate need for cash is so great right now that is all that i'm hearing from people i mean um canadians across the country if they live in uh whether they live in a rural area or an urban area nobody planned for income to drop to zero in a matter of days. Nobody no, planned like for would, that. Right? Nobody, like, I, okay, like, I try to tell people going forward, um, imagine this kind of thing could happen again, and, you know, when you're when you're rebuilding, you know, kind of plan that in, but it's like, that's, that's it's all hindsight, right? Like, um, nobody imagines this is going to happen, right? <laughs> exactly. So the government has brought in benefits. Um, definitely, we've talked about them last week. I really encourage anyone to listen to last week's episode that goes through most of the benefits, especially benefits, emergency benefits around COVID-19. That includes waiving that one week um, uh, a waiting period for applying for EI. That includes this new Canadian, uh, sorry, COVID emergency relief benefit, which uh, Canadians can apply for. Uh, starting uh, this week, they are staggering it. If you look online, they're asking people, depending on your month of birth, of when you can apply for it. So depending on uh, you know which month you're born in, just look up the the schedule they have. Basically, January, February, March is on Monday, and it goes on every three months after that. I and saw after, that. It's it yeah. Sounds, it looks like a riddle of some kind. Is that that this is seriously on the? Yeah, it's right? on. It's on. It, Justin Trudeau tweeted it. Um, and okay. so, um, so this is another thing, right? So they're saying the money will come ten days after you after you apply. So if you're born in December, you're not applying until the end of the week. So that's another oh, four days that you have to wait that you thought you didn't have to. Um, you know, I would never recommend that people go into unnecessary debt, but this is not unnecessary debt. This is a time where debt is okay. And if you need to put money on your credit card to buy groceries, if you need to take money out of your home equity line of credit or even an unsecured line of credit, if you need to do that in order to just buy the basics, do it or pay the basic bills. Um, again, you know, speaking to all of your different utility companies or your landlord, all of those communication lines should stay open so that they can provide you the relief that uh, you may need. Uh, They may already have a COVID-19 action plan. I know a lot of um, property managers have a plan of how they're going to help renters get through this time. And everyone is sympathetic to the fact that um, the the job loss has been immense. I mean, a million people the first week applied for EI, and uh, that number is only going up. Nobody now, is going back to, to work. Two now, I have one point five or more. Yeah, so at the, this point, it's exactly. And we haven't even started with the people who are applying for the emergency benefit, who are the self-employed and people who didn't make up those six hundred hours. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty serious situation. I'm in. I mean, Bo, like. Uh, what would you like? Say you had someone who came to you and said, um, you know, they came for advice and said, you know, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent for the next three months, but I've got enough for this month. Like, what would you recommend? Like talking to the landlord and 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 divvying it up over the months, like saying I can pay fifty percent going forward each month. And That's it, no, uh, I mean, you, you, yeah, like 
creative thinking really like i've had these conversations this week it's 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 tough right because we don't ever have to think about it's almost like you're negotiating for your life in a way like like people have to have some sympathy you know some people who can pay and that's great and if you can pay that's awesome uh do that right because you know like we have to kind of keep everything going if we can but communication, and you, you, you've said it a lot, and um, just understanding, hopefully. And then, like, if you have somebody that you pay or if you, you know, if you're in a situation where uh, somebody owes you money, you know, be reasonable there. Let's all pass it along, right? But, yeah, talk to, you, talk to your landlord. Um, don't just not pay and work something out right? We're yeah. I, I mean, keep being honest about your situation. Like there's, you know, um, I have neighbors who I know work pretty decent jobs who have all been laid off. And I'm not saying that if you work a decent job and you're laid off, that that is somehow more, uh, that you're more important, but people who I did not, when I say decent, I mean that their job seemed like it was solid and people who I did not believe could ever be laid off because they work for a big corporation and they provide a service that's pretty, you know, in demand, those people are being laid off. So I think no matter wh who you are and what kind of work you do and where you are living in Canada, that nobody needs to feel um, shame or embarrassment for saying I don't have money because really th there has never been a time where people... Uh, are more worried about money than right now. So absolutely let people know that your income has, has dropped or you've lost your job or you're waiting for the benefits and work something out. Because well, in, like in the past, right, if you said to your landlord, oh, you know, I can't make this month's rent. Can we like push it or defer it? They may be like, well, maybe okay, but when is this going to end? Like, why are you doing this? No, they don't have to ask this question now. They know why you're asking, right? It's, it, it, they they don't know when it's going to end, but they know that it's going to end when it ends for everybody else. Right. So it, there is an end to this. It's not going to be forever. In the past, they might have thought, oh, maybe you're delinquent or you're, you know, you're never going to be able to pay rent again. Well, like, everybody kind of has an understanding now. That's why this is such a different conversation to have than normally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone is coming from a point of sympathy or empathy because they're going through it also with you. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of going through it with you, I tweeted something yesterday, Bo. I'm not sure if you saw it um, on my handle at Always Save Money. And I'll just read it out. Uh, quote, working from home, unquote, is a privileged position. Most low income work has to be done in person. So again, the poor suffer more. We're not all in this together. We are all, quote, in this differently. Just wanted to get your reaction to to what I said. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I did. And I thought a lot of other people did too, because you got lots of retweets and likes on that. Um, it's a it's a really important statement to make because yeah we think about oh you know um, why don't you just work from home right or uh, uh, are you working from home well like no matter what like okay my industry we weren't set up to work from home and we were able to figure it out right because we can do video and we can do phone stuff right but there are certain things especially things like food service for example and working in a grocery store or working anywhere where you are at a place that can't be brought into your basement and you can't do it from there. Like it's so, that's so common. And so the, all the talk about, well, working from home sucks because I can't go outside or working from home. Oh, I, you know, I better take a shower in, in three days or something. These are 
I don't know. They're almost, uh, they're very privileged comments to make, right? Yeah. So working from home means so many different things, right? So you need to A, have a space that you can work at from home. That is mm -hmm. a very important point that people need to realize is that someone who lives in smaller quarters because they are low income and they can't afford to have like a four bedroom house in the suburbs doesn't have a space to create where they can actually work from home. So that's number one. And even this month, my husband and I have spent I think $700 getting our offices set up and getting my daughter's uh, little office set up so she can do her schoolwork. And we're, and I understand my privilege. I understand I come from a place where, you know, as a personal finance expert, I've saved the money. I've, I'm ready for this time, but I absolutely do not blame anybody else for not being ready for this time. And I normally don't talk about how much I spent on something, but I just wanted to say that to help people understand how expensive it is to actually work from home, to actually get set up to work from home, and that people don't have access to a computer or a webcam or a microphone or even the money to get a desk and a decent chair. So all of those things that we think that are just a given, oh, you can just set up your own home office, is not. And then on top of that, most work from home positions are positions that are in in, 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 a, in the corporate world where you make those higher salaries. Um, a lot of people have lost their jobs who are cleaners or work as, you know, outside or work in a, uh, in, in a position where they go into people's homes and help them in some way. They work in retail, they work in the restaurant industry, they work in, you know, in a way that that job cannot be done unless they are actually there. And those people losing their jobs are now there's nothing that they can actually do from home, whether they could afford to put together a home office or not. And they're now in a position where they have to apply for EI or this emergency benefit. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that it is a privilege to work from home and it is a privilege to work from home well because you need to have the money to set yourself up so that you have a place to go to work, you have um, all the technology that requires you to do your work efficiently and stay in touch with people, and that you have, and that and that you have an employer that is willing to support you in that. And that is not the case for many people who work in minimum wage jobs, who work in the gig economy, um, anyone who works in a job where you have to leave your home to do it. Yeah, just the the even recording a podcast at this time, right? Like that, there's so much privilege right there, right? Like we're not having to be out working somewhere right now. And, and those who are out there and still have their jobs, it's they're in precarious positions too. Like the privilege to be able to work from home in safety, that, that's just, I mean, yeah, we're very lucky. Very lucky I've heard from that. many caregivers uh, for children and for elderly who are feeling a lot of pressure to go in and continue to work in that home uh, mm -hmm. because um, the reason they were there to begin with is because there is no one else to take care of them. So they're feeling the pressure to go in to work in a home where they might be taking care of an elderly person. They don't have a car to get there, so they're using public transit. So there's two things that are happening. One is they may be carrying COVID-19 to that person, which mm -hmm. is devastating, especially if they're older. Um, or they might be putting themselves at risk because the people in the home, if they're going there to watch their children and the people in the home are going out to work somewhere, they may be coming back and infecting not just their own family, but anybody who works there. And so, but they're not being laid off. And so they're continuing to work in these 
um, close to minimum wage positions or just, you know, not, they're not making six figures is really what I'm trying to say. Um, but they're literally putting their lives at risk and they don't have protective gear. They don't have, you know, people cheering for them on the streets for all the great work that they're doing. Um, you know, they don't have any of that. They just have insecurity. And, that, and that's why your tweet resonated so much because every, it made everybody think, yeah, okay. Um, those who have to keep working in this, they're not getting paid a lot. They have to go and they have to travel. They have to expose themselves and they don't have a choice, right? What is, what are, what is their choice, right? Are they, I mean, especially, I don't know, like you can't, if you quit, you don't get EI, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think in uh, if you quit, you can't get EI, but if you quit because you feel unsafe in your job, you can still apply for the emergency benefit, which is only $2,000 a month. I just want people to realize that it's not, you know, a lot of people make more than that a, week, uh, a month and so that they would still have to deal with the fact that they're getting a lot less money coming in and it's still taxable, still subject to income tax. Taxable um, later, later though, right? Like they, they'll give us all the 2000 now, that's what they're saying? Yeah, I don't know how exactly it's going to work, but they I will. Think have that's to what I heard. Yeah, yeah. The, the two thousand now, and then it just gets tacked on to your taxes later. Of course, this changes all the time, so check out the government website to make sure, right? Yeah, always go to Canada.ca or to CRA website. You know, again, I want to emphasize how important it is to get the My Account. Uh, a lot of people are on there, and they're able to figure out exactly what benefits are coming. Because some of them, for example, if you already get the child, uh, the child care benefit. Um, they've already gone in and 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 put in that extra money for you, uh, so you don't need to you don't oh, yeah, need okay, to, you don't need to uh, you don't need to apply for something. So it, there might be some information. What I'm trying to say is there might be some information already available to you um, about what's happening. Um, so this tweet that I I did, I was really surprised because it's something that I've been feeling. You know, even uh, a friend of mine who owns a, a optical store, I, I, I featured her in a story that I did for CBC two weeks ago about how small businesses are affected. Mm -hmm. And I know her quite well. So I know her story. She came from Cuba as a refugee, made her way in, you know, the Canadian world, even sometimes says to me, you know, like growing up, like we never learned about credit cards and lines of credit. Like this wasn't not, it, this was not our world. Like we lived in a country where it was communism and we didn't, we just didn't have access to that kind of information. She goes, I've had to learn everything like a child here, like, 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 a, like I'm, you know, 10 years old, but she's been really successful, opened this uh, optical store and she opened her second store in Pickering only at the beginning of March. Oh, and no. in a matter of weeks, she's had to shut both stores and lay off all her employees. And now she was talking to me about the 75% wage uh, subsidy that the government offered, but her comment was, well, what are they going to do? Like, I have no work for them to do. So she's still in a position where her job, for example, means that someone has to come in and check people's eyes. And that person finds out what kind of glasses they need. And then they go into her store, which is like the eyes are being checked in the store. They go to the front of the store and they order the glasses. And that's how she makes her money. And it, it's it. And without that, without that key part of the doctor checking that person's eyes, she, her business has, has halted. I mean, she has some repeat customers that don't necessarily need to get their eyes checked. Maybe some people who want sunglasses for the summer, but it's very minimum. It's very is minimum. That a, is that even an essential on the essential list uh, now? I guess it's medical. Well, I think she could, she could justify keeping her doors open for things like contacts and, and repeats on yeah, glasses and that's stuff. That's a good point. People need to see. Yeah. 
But I mean, when you go in and you buy glasses, I don't wear glasses, so I haven't been subjected to this as much, but my husband does. Like when you go in and wear glasses, they try to sell you a pair of frames that might be more expensive than what you wanted. And I'm not trying to say that this is what she does, but I'm saying, you know, this is how this is how our business makes money. Yeah. Or they might say, hey, we've got a two for one special going on. So, you know, you you could buy more right now. Whatever it is, she's not just providing a utility. Like she's not just giving people what they want. She's trying to upsell them. She's trying to give them the best glasses possible. She's trying to get them to bring their friends and family in. I mean, this is her business and it's a legitimate, amazing business that has completely been halted. And even with the government subsidy, it's not going to help her. Like she, she said that she might hire one person back to sort of help with accounting and other things, but she goes, there's nothing for anybody else to do. I you can't still, hire people need back. Customers. You still need to make sales. Yeah, You need it, foot traffic. And she's yeah. in, I know her store on uh, in Toronto is on a very busy street. And even when I would visit her, like I would see people just come in, right? Because they um, they would see the store and they would see something that they liked. You know, like any, any other human being in the world, you see something like in the storefront, you go in, right? All of that's done. All the restaurants around her are closed. All the businesses around her are closed. Nobody's walking on the street. And so she's... Her business is decimated. And um, and uh, if you think about her, I mean, you might look at her as a business owner and someone who's you know doing well because she's got two stores. But she told me she's got four months worth of expenses that she can keep the lights on. And after that, she doesn't know what she's going to do. And she's lucky to have that even, you know, that that's some foresight for her to be evil, even even have that much saved up. Right. Which is more than most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I did. I, I did get a a comment back on my DMs. They didn't put it publicly about, um, shouldn't people be saving in their emergency, again, going back to the emergency fund, shouldn't people be saving in their emergency fund and be ready for this? And Uh. if you have your own business, shouldn't you have been more prepared? And I really, I wouldn't say ripped into him, but I really, I mean, people need to check their privilege. They need to check. If you're working from home right now and making the same exact salary that you did a month ago, you are in one of the most privileged positions in Canada. Yes, you have anxiety over when the world is going to go back to normal. Yes, you may be worried about whether your job is going to last that this entire pandemic. I understand that. We all have those anxieties, no matter what income you make and what kind of job you do. If you're working on the front lines as a healthcare worker or you're working in a grocery store, you have anxiety over whether you're going to get sick yourself because you're constantly putting yourself in harm's way. But if you are working and still making that full-time salary and able to do it from the safety of your home, you are better off than most people who are dealing with pandemic. We are not going in this. We are not in this together. We are all in this differently. And that is something that people need to start realizing. And and the one thing you can do, if you are in that position where you're still making money and you're safe, then yeah, maybe try to build up your emergency fund more, right? Like the, like you're, you're in the position where you can, at least you can do that now. And and we can have the emergency fund conversation when we all, this is all starting up again, right? Because it'll be a, a more relevant conversation to most. Like if you have, okay, so the, what I tell people is there's times when you have money, when you have some extra and there's times when you don't, right? So the only thing that we can say is when you have a little extra, if you ever do, then, then this should be your motivation to, to save more. But what do we do about people who don't have extra? That, that, this is the thing that confounds me all the time. 
So going into this pandemic, we were already at record levels of debt. So many Canadians, like I'd mentioned before, were saying a few hundred dollar expense would derail them financially. Mm -hmm. um, the Bank of Canada was saying nearly half of Canadians are facing what they call a debt trap. That was their survey that came out just before this pandemic started. And they were really worried about, you know, all these highly leveraged households, how they were going to deal with at the time higher interest rates and how they were going to manage them. Uh, many people were saying, you know, 50% of respondents to this MNP survey on debt uh, talked about how uh, almost 50% of people are only able to cover their basic living costs uh, if, without taking on new debt. So if they want to do anything extra, they have to do it by taking on debt. So this was the kind of Canadian uh, population that was moving into uh, that, 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 we, that, that was existing before the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And so now if you are somebody that has not been affected, so you don't fit into this category of someone who's worried about expenses, you don't fit into the category of being in a debt trap, you don't fit into the category of interest rates going up, which they're not going to for a while, but at the time worried about interest rates going up and not being able to afford your debts. Try with the money that you have to A, of course, support the local economy. So order takeout from local places, not from big corporate places, from places where mom and pop shops, as we call them. Um, you know, we ordered sushi from a place. I, I, I've, not that I'm saying that my $50 order is going to change that woman's world, but if we can all do a little bit, it's going to help that person at least get through this time. If you have someone that comes in your home that teaches your children, tutors your children, teaches them a a, a piano lesson or a guitar lesson, any kind of music lesson, continue to do that as the best of your ability through Skype or some other virtual way uh, so that that person can continue to collect uh, money from you. That's just going to make their lives easier. And if you have someone that comes in, if you're privileged enough to have a house cleaner that comes in to the best of your ability, because I know now you will be having to do those things on top of your full-time job to the best of your ability, try to give them some money for the money that they are losing. And then tell them that when this is over, you are going to hire them back um, and that they will have a job when when this is over. Because many people are wondering what's going to happen to their clients that that they used to, that they used, they used to have. So th that's just little, little ways that won't even cost you very much that you can still support the people who supported you before all of this started. It's like our, our job as, you know, those who still have income and even, you know, uh, I'm very lucky. I saved up a lot of money, right? When, you know, cause I, I've been insolvent, right? I've been there. Not only am I an insolvency counselor, but I, you know, I've, I filed for insolvency 11 years ago as a gambling addict, right? I had lots and lots of debt and I crawled out of it and I rebuilt. So I have that perspective. Like I kind of been through a pandemic of my own and, in, in, you know, to give, to give a comparison, uh, my world was basically destroyed, right, uh, by addiction. So I know what it's like to rebuild, and I, I was like, I'm never going back into debt again. So I have that privilege of having savings and no debt. It's our job to kind of keep the economy going is really what you're saying, right? Like, as much as we can. Like, our world financially hasn't changed that much, has it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether it's our job to keep the economy going. I think that's the government's job. I think, but I think it's our job to support the people who supported us. And like our, so, our personal economy, I guess, is what. Yeah, I'm exactly. To say. That's a very good way of putting it. Um, you know, there was a, there's a reporter in the states who tweeted out that her mom is a cleaner in New York City, and she goes, every single one of her clients has canceled, but every single one of her clients is still working. 
And so her mom is out of a job, out of money, yeah. has to, you know, so it, I think that when you look at it from that point of view, so you might think that you're, you know, $100 every couple of weeks to have someone come in and, and work in your home is not going to make a difference. But if all eight of her clients or his clients cancel, that's $800 now that they're not getting that they need to support their family. And they're now looking towards other sources of income um, or maybe even doing something dangerous, like going out and trying to get a job because companies who are considered essential are hiring and actually giving people higher salaries. But they are then putting themselves again on the front lines and at risk um, by coming in contact with the public every single day. And so you already had that in your budget, right? You're like you're you might even be working from home and saving money by not like traveling and you might actually have more available income in your budget let's just suggest so it's not like it's really making a big difference to keep paying somebody right yeah i've seen some very um out of touch uh, tweets and social media posts about how people are saving money and finding time to make things like bread and um, and I, I, I get it i mean you know we're not spending money on commuting i haven't filled up my gas my car with gas I don't I, this month at all. I mean, I, we just don't go anywhere. Um, our public transit cost has plummeted. Obviously, we're not using public transit at all. Uh, we're eating at home because even though we do try to get takeout once in a while, generally speaking, we're not trying not to leave our home. Um, and uh, when we get when we get food orders, it's it's kind of like a it's it's a special treat for everybody. Um, and it's when we're already going to be out. So we do the takeout, we go pick it up from wherever, if we're doing groceries, we pick up a takeout order as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, th that is not, um, that is not the case for most people. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if you really want to help people who are struggling, you can do all those things that we talked about. You can, if you want to, you can, you can donate money to different causes. The food bank needs money. Um, you can go and donate blood. They need they need your blood if you have time to do those things. I mean, there's so many things that we can do. Um, if you're still if your financial situation hasn't changed, if the only thing that's really changed in your life is now that you can't go and visit your friends on the weekends, then you have a duty to do more. Yeah, you know, and I know we're not talking about the U.S. that much, but um, the word is right now they're all just going to get twelve hundred dollars, right? Um, you know, without having to apply or anything like that, like a stimulus. And some people need it, some people don't, and it's just really hard for me to see. Oh, well, here's what I'm going to do with my twelve hundred dollars. I'm going to put it in ETFs and stuff. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, can't that twelve hundred dollars go to somebody who needs it? Then, like, if you don't need it. You shouldn't get it and they should redirect it. You should be able to opt out. That's just my opinion on the way that the U.S. is doing stuff. But, you know, they do whatever they want. I just find it strange that everyone gets it, whether they need it or not. That's why it's really good that Canada's doing it through the EI system. Like even the Canada Emergency Response Benefit is sort of funneled through that system. And so that it gives you an idea and you you have to get a My Account. So all your tax information is there. How much money you made last year is there. All that information is available so they can decide... Um, whether people are qualifying for this benefit or not. So it's going to people who actually need it. And even that 75% wage subsidy, I mean, the Trudeau, as much as I don't like finger wagging again, has really been good at reminding businesses that if you're going to take advantage of this, we are going to come after you hard with the fines and maybe even jail time. Because yeah. you cannot, at this time, don't get any ideas about how you can take game the system uh, because people need every dollar that is putting in that these benefits are providing. People need that money. 
I wanted to, um, I'm going to wrap up soon, Bo, but I wanted to just, because I didn't get a chance to say this at the beginning. Um, a lot of people ask me, well, what does poverty mean? You know, like where, where, where does it mean to live in poverty? So the, the definition of poverty is a, is a family that lives, um, at an income that is half the median Canadian income. So right now that would be a family that is, uh, currently in Canada is living a uh, family of four with $41,568 or a single person living with nine, $19,930. And these numbers do change from province to province. Uh, the first number I gave you is Canadian. The second number I gave you is Ontario. So this number would be different. And of course, that money goes further where you live. But it gives you an idea of the kind of household income that is that is, you know, that is struggling. And then that number will help you realize around you, you can, you can look to see who is living at that level. Um, because, you know, we might think that people are doing okay. Um, and, you know, they have an apartment and they're moving around the world and they're buying groceries. Uh, but um, someone in that position is living in poverty and this is only exacerbating their, their problems. Yeah. Like you said, if one thing happens, they're not going to be able to pay for an emergency and it's just paycheck to paycheck. And if rent goes up or if they get forced to go to another place that has higher rent, all these things, any little change uh, is going to rock their world. And this is just the biggest possible change you can think of. Yeah. And I'm really, um, one thing, one criticism I would have of all governments, provincial, federal, or municipal is that they have not brought in a rent freeze. Um, I have something like 50%, the Canadian, um, a survey came out earlier this month that talked about how almost 50% of renters live paycheck to paycheck. And so that it, that's, that's the group of people that are going to suffer most because they're going to have to deal with managing their landlord, maybe managing a unscrupulous landlord, maybe managing someone who's not, um, who's not giving them a break. Um, and, you know, even though they can't evict them, they can still harass them. They can still phone them and ask them where the rent is. They can make their life very difficult. And so um, I would think that that would be the smartest thing to do is to freeze rent and then provide some relief for landlords who have their own bills to pay. That would be a better way because the renters are much more vulnerable than the landlords, in my opinion. Well, and that's the thing. If you are a landlord and you have the ability to go without rent, then this is the time, like, you know, just temporarily, then this is the time. If you can afford it legitimately, knowing that you're going to, you know, get it back later if it's a deferral or whatever it is, then do what you can. Think about the renters who cannot, like, you might really, really wreck their life if you demand the rent. Yeah. If someone, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I've seen some uh, landlords have sort of put out this statement saying we're not collecting rent. I think that's great if you can afford to do it. Mm -hmm. But even from a, you know, just my basic idea, I, I, I wouldn't say advice, but what I would think would be the best thing to do is that if someone calls you and says, I can't make rent, is that you listen to their story and find out something that works for both of you rather yeah. than, you know, harass them, say, well, you've got to borrow from someone or or you've got to come up with the money somehow because then they're going to again go to lengths to get the money that might put them in in jeopardy that's right so well this has been a great conversation about um people dealing with this pandemic differently and really highlighting how even though you know we keep saying we're in this together we are in this very differently and people who live in big suburban homes with backyards are are managing this crisis different than someone who lives in a high-rise building with no access to public outer, outs, uh, outside, right? And so they have to get into an elevator, put their family at risk, and 
go to a space where they're allowed to walk around. Their kids are not allowed to use the playground. It's it's a very different world depending on what your living situation is and that we need to recognize that. We need to get off our high horse and say and recognize that we're not in this together. We are in this differently. We are all going through it, but we're going through it very, very differently. That's right. So next week, we'll have a new episode of Dear Ruby. If you have any questions um, that you want answered about your finances, please go to dearruby.com and submit it. We always will uh, take a look at that and try to answer it to the best of our ability. If you have any comments on this podcast or any other podcast that we've done, uh, please let us know. We want to know what you're thinking and what your point of view is as well. Uh, Bo, thanks so much for joining me again today. That was great. I'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll talk next week. Take care.